Father, be powerfully present with us even now as we look at your word. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And kids, you are dismissed to Kingdom Kids. You're going with my favorite person in all the world today, my wife. Have a great time. And she's a good teacher, too. She's a very good teacher. She's a better teacher than I am. And I am okay saying that. Hey, we're back in Deuteronomy, of course. We're always going to be in Deuteronomy. I don't know if we're ever going to leave. I'm kidding. We will leave eventually. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. I want to start today uh, by asking you guys a simple question uh, as we get started. I want you to take a minute and I want you to consider, I want you to name in your own mind uh, some of the people who have made the biggest impact on you. You probably have a catalog. You probably have a list of those who have made the biggest impact on you. It could be certainly a father. It could be a friend. It could be a, a, a teacher. As a matter of fact, uh, one of the best teachers I ever had was my 11th grade uh, U.S. history teacher, a, ba a lady by the name of Miss Andrea Norris. And one of the, the lessons that I learned from her, very applicable uh, to all of us, was this. And you've probably heard this, uh, this, uh, this lesson. And it had nothing to do with U.S. history. It was simply this. She said, Gary, when you point the finger at someone, remember that you've got three pointed right back at you. Anybody ever heard that one? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that was a little sidebar. She, but she was very influential in my life. I'll never forget that. I also will never forget the fact that uh, uh, the, uh, we were in her class uh, when the Challenger blew up back in 1986. We were watching it, and I can remember her sobbing because, of course, she was a teacher, and Krista McAuliffe, the teacher, was going into going into space for the very first time. Who, made a, who has made an impact on you? Is it a teacher? Is it a coach? Is it a parent? Is it a friend? Who has someone that you trust who has time and again given you some wisdom or some godly counsel at just the right time? You know, we all have a few individuals that probably fit that description, don't we? And I'm here to say this morning that they are a gift of God's grace to us. When we couldn't make a decision or we were so anxious about a decision that we did have to make, so much so that we actually confided in them, we told them our story, we gave to them the right to speak into our lives, it was these people who spoke and gave us clarity to move forward, wasn't it? They're God's gifts to us. For example, before uh, Lori, before I married Lori, before we got married, let me say that one more time, before Lori and I got married, <laughs> um, I asked a couple of buddies of mine what they thought. Uh, they knew her, they knew me, 
I asked the question, do you think we would be a good fit? Uh, and because I wanted their input, uh, and they gave it to me. And I thankfully heeded their very sage advice. They said, get her, <laughs> because to get her is to get wisdom. <laughs> and boy, do you need it. So today, we're going to look at a passage. And at first glance, you're going to probably think to yourself, how in the world does this apply to us? How in the world does this passage about the old ancient Jewish legal system have to do with us personally? Uh, and hopefully by the end of the, the day, you're going to find and see its application its personal application to us. So let's hear what Moses has to say to us, and then let's unpack uh, this personal application. And so if you have God's word, it's Deuteronomy uh, chapter 17, beginning in verse 8. If any case, the Lord says, if any case arises requiring decision between one kind of homicide and another, one kind of legal right and another, one kind of assault and another, any case within your towns that is too difficult for you, then you shall arise and go to the place that the Lord your God will choose. We've heard that a couple of times in the book of Deuteronomy up to now, haven't we? Yeah, wherever there was supposed to be worship, uh, it was the place of worship was to be where the Lord chooses. Now we see that being applied also to legal decisions, where the Lord chooses. And you shall come to the Levitical priests and to the judge who is in office in those days, and you shall consult them, and they shall declare to you the decision. Then you shall do according to what they declare to you from that place that the Lord will choose. And you shall be careful to do according to all that they direct you, according to the instructions that they give you, and according to the decisions which they pronounce to you, you shall do. You shall not turn aside from the verdict that they declare to you, either to the right hand or to the left. The man who acts presumptuously by not obeying the priest who stands to minister there before the Lord your God or the judge, that man shall die. So you shall purge the evil from Israel. And all the people shall hear and fear and not act presumptuously again. Whew. May God bless the reading and the hearing of his word this morning. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we pray right now that we would not act presumptuously either. Father, we need your spirit to come and to unpack these verses for us to illuminate our minds, because ultimately what we need, more than our own strategies and getting through life, what we need is your truth, because your truth never fails. Your truth is pure. It heightens the senses. It's sweet even as honey comes from the comb, and it is most sufficient for every need. And so, Father, many of us this morning are in need. And I pray that you would meet our needs with your truth and your grace that you've given to us this morning. Help us to be receptive to it. And we pray this in Jesus' magnificent and beautiful name. 
Amen. I only have two lessons, and I'm going to try to be brief today, and I know that you guys are saying, yeah, 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 whatever. But here it is, two lessons. The first lesson is this. There is a necessity of having godly counsel in your life. There is a necessity of having godly counsel in your life. That should be pretty obvious, right? Because we simply can't do life alone. It was never meant to do life alone. As a matter of fact, all you've got to do is go back to the Garden of Eden, right? What did God say in the Garden of Eden? It is not good for man to what? Be alone. He needed somebody. And all too often in our culture, we try to get through life on our own. We don't want to make uh, 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 hay with anybody. We don't, want to, uh, we don't want to burden anybody oftentimes. We also don't want to oftentimes air our dirty laundry. And guess what? Everybody in here has got some what? Dirty laundry. Just get over it. Lovingly, I say that. You've got it. I've got it. Okay? We need one another. So we're going to unpack that. There is this necessity of having godly counsel. But there's also the necessity, and I hope you heard this as we were reading that scripture, because there is a very uh, harsh uh, consequence if you don't heed the counsel. So there's a necessity of heeding the counsel. So not only having the counsel, but heeding the counsel. And this might be the first time in the history of Redeemer that I've ever used alliteration. You're welcome. All right. Lighten up, everybody. All right, the first thing is, let's look at the necessity of having godly counsel. Let's start again. Let's look again uh, at verses 8 and 9. If any case arises requiring a decision between one kind of homicide and another, one kind of illegal right and another, one kind of assault and another, any case within your towns that is too difficult for you, then you shall arise and go to the place that the Lord your will choose. And you shall come to the Levitical priest and the judge who is in office in those days, and you shall cut, uh, consult them and they shall declare to you the decision. So what is Moses talking about here? Well, it appears, it appears as if he is talking about these difficult uh, cases that are happening, that could happen, might happen, will happen, once they get into the promised land. Cases regarding homicides and assaults and legal rights. And apparently these cases in question are so difficult that the initial court is unable to make a judgment. And so what is Moses' Moses's prescription? What does he tell them to do? He says, okay, what you do, if it becomes this difficult so that the lower courts can't actually render a verdict, then you take it to... Of course, uh, the higher court. You take this court to the priest at the place that the Lord chooses. And apparently there were other judges there too. And then a judgment would be pronounced. You could say that this was the, uh, an early iteration of the Supreme Court. Okay? An early iteration of that. Now here's the cool thing in all of this. The lower court... And I didn't know this until I was uh, reading and studying a little bit. The lower court actually would not pronounce a judgment when it was too difficult. They wouldn't say a word. 
they merely, along with the other litigants, would uh, then appeal or apply to the high, higher court. Okay? Uh, uh, that, would, of course, doesn't happen today. Typically, a, 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 a case is then given a verdict, and then it's a, then appealed to a higher court. Okay? But not so in Israel. The lower courts, as well as the, the litigants, uh, would collectively apply their dispute to the higher court. Now, you're probably wondering, what in the world does this have to do with us? And how do we apply this personally? For starters, let me answer that question. The lower court judge was called to judge in the fear of the Lord. That's first. What does that mean? Well, just one chapter earlier in Deuteronomy chapter 16, Moses commanded the judges to do what? He commanded them to judge fairly, to judge equitably, to not show preferential treatment or to accept uh, bribes. In other words, equity and fairness was supposed to uh, inundate the entire legal system from top to bottom. But there's more. When people's lives hang in the balance, what essentially Moses is saying is you best be sure you have all the facts and make the wisest decision possible. In others, uh, if, if you don't know, what he's saying is ask. What's extraordinary about the lower courts uh, uh, of Israel is this. It's their humility. Too much is at stake to get this wrong. We need to ask for help. That's what's going on here. We can't, this is too big for us. We don't know how to proceed. We don't know how to move forward. We need some help. Do you see that? And therein lies the personal application you see, there are loads of things that I know very little about. There are loads of things that you know very little about. One of the things that I learned, uh, not well, I've heard this repeatedly in various forms through the years, but one of the things that I heard Tim Keller say in one of his sermons uh, uh, years ago was this, that there's even if you are... Uh, highly esteemed, very uh, good at your job. If you, uh, if you have uh, uh, even reached a place where you could be called or labeled an expert, he also said there's probably someone more than likely that's better and smarter than you. There's someone who's achieved even more. And I've learned that. There's, there's loads of things that I know very little about that I, can, can't, I, I can't speak intelligently on. So why would I presume to make decisions in fields outside of my training, outside of my skill, outside of my expertise without first getting some wisdom and godly counsel? Why would we ever choose to do that? Listen to what the Bible says with regard to this. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 2. When pride comes... What comes after it? Disgrace. But with the humble is what? Wisdom. Humility. 
We have to exercise some humility when we don't know something. And guys, I'm going to tell you something. There are plenty of times when I am not a very humble person in my own family, especially with my kids, because they're 16 and they're 20 and they're 17 and they think they know everything. I'm not kidding. They don't. But I think I know everything. So forgive me. When pride comes, then comes to grace, disgrace. But with the humble, there's wisdom. Proverbs eleven fourteen: Where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of what? Counselors, there is safety. We need one another speaking into one another's life. Now listen, if this is true, then what do you think is the prescription? What do you think we are to do with this? In our own personal, what is the personal application of this? What do you think it is? Number one is this, stay humble. Don't assume you know everything. Be humble enough to ask for help, particularly when it is needed. Ask God for help. Ask a friend for help. Learn to say, I don't know. How many of us feel the freedom to say, I don't know? We should feel that freedom friends. There are things I don't know. It's okay to say that. And guess what? There's it's freedom in that. I don't have to know everything, but I know someone who does know everything, and that's enough. Jehovah Jireh. You are enough, and because you're enough, I'm enough. Okay? Secondly, another prescription. Stay teachable. And this is very much related to the first one in staying humble. I remember going uh, on staff at Christ Community Church many years ago, almost 20 years ago now, which is hard for me to believe. It's really hard for me to believe. It was 2004. No, on staff, the, the second time, not the first time, but you're right. It was longer than that, but I don't want to talk about that. Uh, yes. Um, and I remember my old pastor, Dan Thompson, uh, making me do a little exercise when I went on staff there. Uh, where I had to write down some of my life goals. And this was one of the life goals that was near or at the top of my list back then. And it's the same today. And it's this. I want to be a lifelong learner. I don't want to ever stop learning. I want to learn something new every single day. I learned something new this week. How about you? We'll be a lifelong learner. Strive to learn something new every day. Friends, and here's the thing. There is a, necess a necessity to staying humble, to staying teachable. It is because our world is becoming more and more complex and difficult each and every day. We are struggling with things that were not struggled with 30, 40, 50 years ago. And I could name several things with regard to that. But you know many of you will exactly what I'm talking about. Mental illness is more prevalent today. Depression and anxiety is more prevalent today. Sexual identity issues more prevalent today. These are far more complex than we've ever had to deal with before. And so we need to stay humble and stay teachable in a way that allows us to stay useful in God's kingdom.
We need uh, those saints who have remained humble through the years, who have remained teachable through the years to rub off on us. And we need to find them, we need to listen to them, and we need to let them lead us because we need godly counselors. And then secondly, there's the necessity of heeding godly counsel. Look at verses 10 through 13. Then you shall do according to what they declare to you from the place that the Lord will, uh, will choose. And you shall be careful to do according to all that they direct you, according to the instructions that they give you, and according to the decision which they pronounce to you. You shall do. You shall not turn aside from the right or to the left. Right? So what seems to be the overriding command here? How many times does Moses have to tell us, guys, when the decision is made, it's final. Kids how, many, uh, kids, how many times have you heard your parents say, hey, my word is final, my decision is final? How many, parents, how many times have we told our kids, my decision is final? Yeah, that's what we've got going on here. You will do what they declare. You will be careful to do what they declare. You will not turn aside from the verdict to the right or to the left. That's right. The parties in the conflict were to accept the verdict, period, without discussion, without delay, without contempt. Now, that's a far cry from the way our hearts are wired, isn't it? Is that a far cry from the way your heart and your uh, mind is wired? Whenever there's a dispute, whether it's between you and your spouse or between you and your kids, you and a friend or whomever, what do we all inst uh, instinctively want? Do we not want the most favorable outcome for us? We all want that. We all want the most favorable outcome for us, even if it disadvantages the other person. And we may love them immensely, but we don't care. Who do we care about more than anybody else? You're looking at them. I care about me. Okay? That's the way we typically, that's the way we, our hearts are typically wired. It reminds me of the story of Solomon's wisdom that's on display in 1 Kings chapter 3. Many of you probably know this story. There's two prostitutes who give birth the same night to two sons. Each one has a son. One of the prostitutes in the middle of the night, she rolls over and accidentally smothers the child that she's given birth to. She gets up in the middle of the night, she takes her dead child and she puts it in the arms of the other woman. And then she takes that child and puts it at her breast. Morning comes... And, of course, the woman who had her child taken away is grief-stricken. But then she takes a closer look and she says, This is not my child. You have taken my child. What are you doing? And then, of course, this dispute comes before, before Solomon. And Solomon, what did he do? Does anybody know what Solomon says? He says, Bring me a sword. We'll, fend, we'll, we'll, we'll get this sorted out and cut the child in half, give one to the one mother and one to the other mother. Do you remember what happens after that? The woman whose son it actually was says, No, by no means, please spare, give it to the one. Give it to the other one. Sorry. 
sorry. Perfect timing, though, by the way. And what does the other one say? If she can't have them, I can't have them. Divide the kid in two. Who's the real mom? It's the one who says, let him live. Let him live. Decisions, when they're made, we want them to favor us. This woman wanted it to favor her, even if it hurt the other. But here in Deuteronomy chapter 17, Moses is instructing the people that when a decision is made by the priest, that the decision is final. Honor it. Accept it. And then he goes on to say something else along with a side of that, doesn't he? Look at verse 12 again. He says, The man who acts presumptuously by not obeying the priest who stands to minister there before the Lord your God or the judge, that man shall what? He'll die. So shall you purge the evil from Israel. Did you hear that? It was a capital offense to disobey, to ignore, to go against the verdict of the priest or the judge. A capital offense. Punishable by death. You know, the other day I was having a conversation with Miss Tabitha Partridge over here. I, I don't know if it was... Before VBS or after VBS, I'm not entirely sure, but, um, but I do remember us talking about the gospel, about the good news that Jesus uh, bore our sins on the cross in our place. And in just, a mom in just the moment that we were speaking there together, we both were thinking almost exactly the same thing. And it's this, that the good news of the gospel is not good news unless you first recognize, understand, and accept the bad news. Did you hear that? The good news of the gospel is not really good news until you recognize, understand, and accept the bad news. What's the bad news that all of us have to accept? Our sins deserve what? Death. We don't like to talk about that a whole lot, but our sins deserve every evil, impure thought. Do you understand? Deserves a capital punishment. It deserves death. We don't like to think of it that way, but if we're being faithful to the scriptures and faithful to the, what the Bible tells us and what and God tells us, what God gives us in his word, that is the prescription. Our sins deserve death. Because just like these Old Testament, uh, just like these disputes in the Old Testament, we're brought before the judge and he renders his verdict. You see, the God, the great judge, has already rendered his verdict on your life and my life. What is that verdict? It's guilty. For the wages of sin is death. Romans 6.23 We have, we're the ones who have disobeyed. 
We're the ones who have ignored. We are the ones who have gone against the very verdict of God. Friends, isn't that just the worst news that you could ever hear? And as much as we don't want to agree with that verdict, we have to accept it. Because that what makes way for something else. Jack Miller, many of you know, he was the founder of World Harvest Mission. I want you to listen to this quote. Many of you have heard this quote before, but I don't mind sharing it again because it's been a while. He says, cheer up, sinner. You're far more sinful than you ever dared imagine. How does that make you feel? Cheer up, sinner. I'm going to start saying that when I see all of you guys out and about. Cheer up, sinner. Can I be straight with you for a, for a second? And I know you guys are probably saying, Gary, haven't you been straight with us this whole time? Listen, these are some of the most refreshing words that I've ever heard. They really are. They really are. Do you know why they are so freeing? I don't have to pretend to be something that I'm not. And neither do you. You don't have to pretend, and I don't have to be, pretend to be holier than we really are. I don't have to be, pretend to be more spiritual than I really am. I'm free to be what I really am. That is a broken and wounded sinner. And listen, the real thing, the reality is, is so, it is so easy, it is so easy to fake being religious. And at the same time, it is so exhausting. How many of you are exhausted of having to keep up appearances? Friends, you don't have to. The reality is I am and you are far worse than you or I could ever admit. And so we need that verdict of guilty that God has spoken over us and we need to accept it. Because, and here's where the good news comes in, ironically, extraordinarily, supernaturally, it's in our acceptance of this guilty verdict that God declares us righteous Loved and accepted. Once again, Jack Miller writes, Cheer up, sinners. You are far more loved and accepted in Christ than you ever dare dream. Did you hear that? You're not only at one and the same time more broken, more sinful than you could possibly ever imagine that you would ever choose to uh, admit about yourself. And at the very same time, you are far more loved in Christ than you ever dared dream. Do you hear that? You are far more loved than you ever dared dream. So dear friends, today, this very moment, heed the counsel of the great judge who judges us and all things perfectly. And I want you to hear these words from Martin Luther. Give you a little Latin lesson this morning from Martin Luther when he says, Simul justice et peccator. Simul justice et peccator. What does that mean? Well, I want you to think about it. Simul, 
Well, that comes from the time, at the same time, right? Like simultaneously. Brian, you want to finish it? Just, excuse me? Yes, just or justified and peccator sinner. You are at one and the same time justified by the Lord God Almighty, the one who has declared you righteous, but at the same time, you're still broken and wounded. You're both at the same time sinner and justified. You are both broken and wounded. You are also cherished and treasured. Friends, that's good news. Receive that today. Live in that today. Receive God's good, godly counsel to you today. Broken and wounded, cherished and loved. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your amazing grace and your goodness. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for making us yours, for drawing us into your family. Thank you, Father, for living the life that we should have lived and dying the death that we should have died. And then being crucified on a bloody cross for criminals so that you could raise us up, so that you could justify us, so that you could make us your own. Father, be with us now. Help us to take and receive this godly counsel that we would believe both of those things so fervently that we'd stay humble, that we'd stay teachable because of our sinfulness. But Father, we would also live boldly and courageously because we are loved and cherished in Jesus. We need you, Lord, and we love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.